Hi, my name is Isabella, and this is Lost Souls. So bear with me, this is my first time doing a podcast. I'm not even really sure how to edit this. So here we go. Um, Today I'll be talking about two different cases. Um, The first case will be that of Kimberly Nicole Arrington. Um, So I just also wanted to preface this by saying I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm not trying to hate on law enforcement, the United States, um, whatever sort of way you can turn this podcast into. I'm just solely trying to be informative and to compare cases of people of color and black individuals and their counterparts who are white and how they're handled differently. So the first case I'll be discussing today is Kimberly Nicole Arrington. Kimberly was 16 at the time of her abduction in Montgomery, Alabama. It was a predominantly black city. It's a high crime area and it's known for redlining even today. I even found out that Rosa Parks was doing her thing there back in the day with the bus, so I thought that was pretty cool. And Kimberly was in 10th grade at the time of her disappearance. She went missing on October 30th, 1998. She was a black African-American girl. She had brown eyes, a small surgical scar on the left side of her abdomen, She was between the heights of 5'2 and 5'4 and about 110 pounds. Also, if I ever go missing and you tell people what my weight is, I'm not coming back. So just keep that in the back of your mind for any of my friends that are listening to this. Thanks. She was wearing, at the time of her disappearance, a gray Bugle Boy shirt with a collar, light blue Levi jeans, white Reebok sneakers with a gray trim, an emerald ring with two diamonds on each side, and a double heart ring set with a diamond. She also had pierced ears. Her nicknames were Kim and Kiwi. Friends and family described her as a happy teen who wasn't rebellious. She liked music, dancing, and computers. She was friendly, a good girl, and her sister said it wasn't like her to run away because she mostly stayed inside due to severe allergies. Kimberly was born on May 23rd, 1982. Today, she'd be 38 years old. So let's talk about the day of her disappearance. As I said before, it was October 30th in 1998 in Montgomery, Alabama. Kimberly left her home around 4 to 5 p.m. to go to a nearby CVS to buy candy and a soda. You know, like, totally normal teenage things. She... I can, I've had a CVS down the street from me growing up and I would walk everywhere as a kid, especially before I could drive. We walked everywhere. So this is super normal. Her mother was last one to see her and Kim asked her younger sister to come with her, but she didn't want to go and she did not come with her. Imagine being her sister. That's, that's horrendous. About an hour passes and she doesn't come home, so her parents go looking for her. 
maybe finding any items that she dropped, signs of a struggle, and they couldn't find anything. The employees at CVS said that she didn't make it there, but there are accounts that differ whether she made it there or not. So we don't even know if Kimberly actually made it to the CVS. There was a witness that said they did see her outside of the in the parking lot. Again, no one could 100% identify her at or near the store. So did she get pushed into a car on her way there? Did she make it there and someone asked her for directions in the parking lot? Absolutely no idea. She was never seen again. So the investigation, and let me say how little information there was about this this case at all. Um, I was actually able to find a lot of information off of ourblackgirls.com, which focuses on black women who go missing or are murdered and of their unsolved cases, which is an amazing website. You should definitely check it out. But there is so, such little information about her investigation that... It, I'm not sure if it was shoddy police work. I'm not sure if just it didn't receive media attention. Could be a combination of both. No idea. So the police immediately labeled her as a runaway, although she was a well-behaved kid. Her father said she was making future plans with her family to buy Christmas presents and showed no signs of leaving. She also didn't take anything with her. She didn't pack any clothes that I could... I didn't find anything that said that she had a backpack or... A substantial amount of money. She just brought a couple dollars with her to go get her soda and her candy. She's going to come right back. So there really was no evidence of her leaving on her own accord. But police immediately labeled her as probably running away with a boyfriend or, you know, a, a teen that is rebellious and just doesn't want to come home. But that wasn't Kimberly, by all accounts. Um, the Montgomery police seemed to use the family's delay in reporting her missing as a counter to their delay of taking her case seriously and labeling her a runaway. So it seems like her family also had some issues with the police department and how they were handling the investigation. Again, not a political statement, just putting out facts. The pol- uh, Montgomery police department says today now that they believe she was abducted. There are no witnesses that could 100% identify her, as I said before. Um, I couldn't find anything about CCTV footage or surveillance video. Nothing that was solid evidence of her walking down the street, making it to the CBS. No concrete persons of interest, but police conducted multiple interviews with friends, family, and sex offenders in the area. All the interviews were fruitless. There were never any arrests made. No you know, no main suspects, no real persons of interest, and that is basically the end of her case. Her case was never revisited. It was not a cold case file that police later went into again. That's it. Completely. She was never seen again, and that, that was up. So there are three main theories that her family and police believe that could have happened to her. Her sister, which this just is absolutely heinous idea to even think about a family member and I really hope that Kimberly did not meet this fate. Her sister believes she was um, a victim of human trafficking. I don't I don't even want to think about that. Um, her father said she was friendly so she might have stopped to give directions and was forced into a car 
but they also said she wouldn't get into a car with a stranger. So her family mainly believes that if she did get in a car with someone, it had to be uh, from someone that she knew. Again, there was no one in her, her immediate family or, you know, friend group or no one that they even were able to speak to or no suspects, nothing. Um, The aftermath of Kimberly's disappearance left her mother and father without ever knowing what happened with her daughter. Her mother died in 2005. Um, Her dad never became despondent, and 22 years later, he is still looking for her. Her sister Jennifer, who was 14 at the time of Kimberly's disappearance, named her daughter after her, and her daughter often asked when she can meet her auntie Kim, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. And her family participated in Alabama's National Missing Person Day, which involved a law enforcement training and counseling for families of missing persons. So I will be putting age progression video, um, age progression photos, as well as my citations for this episode and um, numbers that you can call if you have any information about this case in a separate note. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that yet, but we are learning. So that is it for Kimberly. Kimberly Nicole Arrington's case. Absolutely heartbreaking. Totally neglected by the media. Couldn't find even a newspaper clipping about this case. It, It was very difficult to find any information. Again, the only reason I was able to even discover this case was from ourblackgirls.com, which you definitely should check out. So the case that I will be comparing Kimberly's to of that of a white girl, that this case is actually extremely similar to Kimberly's in that they were the same age, they both disappeared and were never found again, and they were even both going to a pharmacy when they disappeared. I also just wanted to throw in a quote used by social scientists and media com- commenters to ref- they they use the term missing white girl syndrome. Um, so this is the media coverage, especially on TV and missing person cases involving upper middle class white women who disappear compared to the disproportion- disproportionate coverage of women of color women of lower social economic status and men and boys i will also love to do some um, stories about men just to put that out there as well i think that's important but these are two women well two girls they were girls so the next case is michelle Redenbuck. i was able to find a, a lot more information about this disappearance There was newspaper clippings, news reports available. There was even a psychic that got involved at one point. There was pictures of her everywhere. And she was, as we will see, she this case was actually reinvestigated later, even a decade later, because they wanted to try to find the killer. So Michelle was born on December 29th, 1964, and she would be 55 years old today. She went missing on October 6th, 1981, at the age of 16 in Zelenopol, PA. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. She was the youngest of several siblings. She was a white female, had dark blonde hair, 
blue eyes, and wore glasses. At the time of her disappearance, she was wearing a wine-colored v-necked sweater, blue jeans, and a gold necklace with a knot pendant. She's between the height of 5 and 5 foot 4, and she's about 120 pounds. She was a self-identified chain smoker, which, I mean, she, this was the 80s, and I guess when I was 16, I was starting to get into cigarettes too, so I can't judge, but 80s for you, I guess. Um, her nickname was Shelly, and she was described as a responsible teenager. So the day of her disappearance, again, it was on... October 6, 1981, she went to school and she went to Seneca Valley High School and had her senior pictures taken that day. She rode the bus home and spoke to her friend Beth, who loaned her jewelry for her senior photo. She went to Silinopol after work, after school to work at her part-time job at an appliance store called Mel Den's where she addressed envelopes and wrote ads for the owner. Normally, her classmate would have been with her that day, but she was sick, so she was working alone, which was abnormal. Around 4.30 p.m., she left and walked about one block to a local Rite Aid pharmacy to buy cold medicine because she was also feeling sick. It was established by the clerk at Rite Aid that she did make it to the store and purchased cough medicine and left. This is where things start to get shady, in my opinion. The last sighting of her was when her boss, Fred Landry, saw her talking to someone in a red car at a super-duper supermarket parking lot. She never made it back to her place of employment and was never seen again. Although this was unusual, her boss was not initially concerned because he wasn't, she wasn't feeling well and assumed she went home. So I guess this is weird to think about, but I also, I mean, this was the 80s. She couldn't just shoot him a text message. I think the boss is is suspicious. I don't know. I'm not an investigator. But he, she just didn't come back and he was like, yeah, 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 that's cool. Whatever. Like, didn't say anything to her parents who would later come. Whatever. She left her purse, cigarettes, and textbooks behind at her job. And she was a self-proclaimed chain smoker everyone she always was smoking so she didn't even bring her cigarettes that's how quick she's gonna be in and out so that was a big sign that she didn't leave on her own accord her mother came to Mel Dunn's to see her around 4:55, and she wanted to know if Michelle wanted to come to the hospital with her because one of her older siblings had actually suffered from a stroke months before and was paralyzed and in the hospital Um, Michelle was very devoted to the sibling, and one reason why no one believes that she left on her own accord was because she wouldn't have left her sister. I believe it was her sister. Her brother came to pick her up later at her usual ending time, but they couldn't find her, and her mom called the police later that night when she never returned home. So a little bit about the investigation. Police did not think Michelle left on her own accord because she left all of her belongings at work, including $100 she was saving to buy a class ring in a drawer at home. So first discrepancy between Michelle and Kimberly's case. They immediately said Kimberly must have ran away. We're not taking the case seriously. As soon as Michelle was reported, they were looking for and actively opened the case for her. 
she was not having any personal problems at home at the time of her disappearance and her family described her as a street smart person who would not go anywhere with a stranger and they believed she was abducted by someone she knew and trusted and killed afterwards there were several people that were questioned including her boyfriend who passed a polygraph and was eliminated as a suspect which don't get me started on polygraphs they're not admissible in court i know this is the 80s but i don't think someone should be eliminated as a suspect just based on a polygraph but again i'm not an investigator um her her family was also ruled out after investigation and they never could identify or find the guy in the red car which was really the only lead they wanted to question a man named david neal who was then 29 years old in the connection to her disappearance because he was convicted of a murder in pittsburgh i guess around the same time um they also found a similar case that happened months after a girl named christine disappeared from a bus stop on october 26 1981 and she left early when she left early from work her body was discovered on october 31st by a hunter along the road and she was bludgeoned to death in the head the only real similarities is that they happened a couple months apart and they were in the same state so um they couldn't ever connect this murder with with michelle's this was just something that i guess was a lead at one point Um, in 1993, a newly formed Butler County police force announced that they conducted a second round of interviews with people who were questioned immediately after Michelle's disappearance. The Butler County District Attorney at the time, Cheryl Long, said that they had a few leads and expressed optimism about solving the case. However, her case ultimately remains cold. So, another difference in Michelle's case as to Kimberly's case is they actually took the time, even I know it was like a decade later, to revisit the case and try to solve it. Kimberly's case was just totally forgotten, never never looked into again that I could find, um, unfortunately. So um, I, I will also put the if you have any information about this case the selenopol police department's number um there's also an age progression vi- um picture of michelle that i will post as well so i think i will continue to be doing these episodes with two different cases with two different one being a person of color a black individual and one being a white individual, and then you know how you can see the differences between the information that I could find, the media coverage, the way that police handled it, and you know, etc. So, thanks for listening to my podcast, and um, I hope that you listen again.